Giving from the sermon series, Faith Foundations, spoken by Pastor Peter on. So the Thanksgiving season is upon us, and we know that when that happens, it can be a really festive time of the year. Don't you agree with that? I mean, when you think about it, some of you are gonna actually get up on Black Friday and you're gonna actually go shopping. You're naturally gonna start thinking about the kind of sacrifices that you're willing to make to give gifts to the people you love the most. Right? Some of you are gonna stay up really late for Cyber Monday, you gotta make sure, because you don't like shopping, but you'll shop online and you'll do that. And there's something special about this time and this season because what's really rooted in the season of the Christmas spirit is that you don't think about yourself necessarily, but you're constantly thinking about how you can give to those that you love. And that's really key, because the people that you love, you naturally want to give to them. And that's why Thanksgiving is so beautiful. That's why this Christmas season is so beautiful because we naturally want to give to those that we love. How about with God? I think the majority of us would say that we love God. But how is our giving to God correlated with our love for him? I want to talk to you today about something important. That as we're in this Thanksgiving season, we've been in this series called Faith Foundation. And I really feel this is important for us to hear, especially living here in the Western world. That you have to realize that our faith, what's deeply rooted in faith, is deeply connected to this idea of giving. That God correlates your faith and how you have faith in him to your ability to want to give back to him. That's important because when you love someone, you want to give to them. That's an important reality. And we have to also think about that with God. And now I know we all can agree that we expect God to give to us. And you expect God to give to you, why? Because you know God loves you, right? And so you expect God to give to you. But how about us? How about us? Today, if you'll just stay with me, I wanna to talk to you about the deep correlation between faith, your faith in God, being connected to this idea of giving to him. We're going to look at this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 15. And Paul's going to teach us some really aspects of why giving is a faith foundation. All right, why giving is a faith foundation. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at chapter 9, verses 1 through 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 15. Here's what Paul the Apostle says to the church of Corinth. He says, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help. And I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. But I am sending these brothers to be sure you really are ready, as I've been telling them, and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all I had told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. 
and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide an increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift to wonderful full words. This is the word of God. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. And so God, we come to you right now and I pray that you'll just help us to understand the depth of this text. And I don't know how many of us have really correlated giving to faith. And I pray that you'll help us to see this the way Paul intended it to be read. To understand this passage the way Paul intended his readers in Corinth to understand. And so God, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this room, I pray that it would indeed be pleasing unto you. And it's in your name that we pray. And all of God's people said... Amen. Amen. All right. What we're going to do here is there's so many different types of giving. I think we've talked a lot about that. But for the sake of this text and, and, and to connect with what Paul was trying to say here, we're going to talk about giving to the church, meaning giving your monetary gifts to the church. All right. The folk, that's the focus of this passage. The Jerusalem church was struggling. They were going through a famine. And because they were struggling so much in poverty, Paul felt that it would be good to take up special offerings from the church of Corinth. And so he wanted to do that. They were very eager to do that, and Paul was excited. And so what he did was that he sent Titus and two other men early on to go to the church of Corinth to get them ready to give this gift, right? And the reason why he wanted to do that really was is because Paul, when he got to Corinth, he was fully prepared to rebuke these Christians, the reason why he was going to rebuke them was because the people of Corinth, the Christians at Corinth, were living deep, sinful lives. They were not only hurting themselves, but they were hurting other people within the church. So Paul was, I think, real smart. He sent Titus and the others ahead of time to collect the gift because he wasn't sure that if he went there and he rebuked them, he didn't know if they'd be in that spirit of wanting to give. And he knew that if they gave, that God would begin to bless them, that maybe their heart, their, their, their spiritual soul would be ready to hear the rebuke because many of you think rebuke is bad, but sometimes rebuke from a holy person could be one of the most endearing representations of God's love for you and for me. And you just have to get to a place in your own spirituality where you can see a rebuke as a term of endearment rather than somebody trying to hurt you all the time. And when you look at chapters 10 of 2 Corinthians and 13, you'll find that Paul is talking about, and you can see that Paul is ready to rebuke the Christians at Corinth. But before that, he was trying to help them to see the deep correlation that there is in giving to the church, giving and supporting folks in the church and that it's a faith foundation. So what are the reasons in which Paul says that giving is a faith foundation? The first one he says is this, giving is a faith foundation because it is a response to God's grace in our life. Giving is a faith foundation because it is a response to God's grace in our lives. Look at verse 14. 
They will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. You see, when the Jerusalem church receives this monetary gift, they're going to conclude that the Corinthians, the Christians in Corinth, are filled with the overflowing grace of God. That's the basis in why you and I should be giving. Why do you give? Because you're a Christian and you need to give? No. We give primarily because we are overflowing with the very grace of God. Amen? Amen. And if you realize that, if you realize this, then you would be overflowing with God's grace. And you would naturally, the response to us as human beings is that when you love someone is that you want to naturally give to them because generosity is one of the greatest expression of love. When you are generous, oftentimes the ones you are so generous with are the people you really love the most. I think parents, you are so generous with your kids. You do that because you love them. Some of you have to be careful because you're too generous with them. You gotta teach them that you know, they can't always get whatever they want. But you gotta be careful. But listen, I want you to realize that this idea of overflowing with God's grace, do you realize what's happened? Do you realize what God's grace is all about? I mean, I just talked about this a few weeks ago, that it's God's unmerited favor, that God sent Jesus Christ to come and to die for us on the cross, resurrect from the dead, not just so that we can affirm a supernatural event that happened 2,000 years ago, but do you know what that means? That means that God created a way for us to have a relationship with him, and no sins that you and I commit will get in the way of our relationship with God. Can you imagine if that happened in our human relationships today? Like, can you imagine if that happened in your marriage with your wife or your husband, your spouse? Can you imagine if there was no no sin that you could commit against them that would hinder your relationship with them? What that would mean for you? What that would mean for you in that relationship? That there is no sin that you can commit against your spouse that will divide you in any way. That is the kind of relationship that God has created before you and me. Why did he do it? Because he loves you. And that's his grace. And at the end of the day, Metro, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. That's God's grace. Have you ever thought about that? Nothing you can do can separate you from God and his love. That's why you give. That's the foundation of why you're giving, because of God's grace. That is overflowing in your life and in my life. So how are we doing in this department? Are we giving? Are we giving as a response to the overflowing grace of God upon our lives. You know, tithing is something that many of you probably know, you grew up in the church, it's giving 10% of your, whatever you make to the church, right? It's the place of where you worship. Now that's in the Old Testament. I wanna take you through some passages. Tithing in the Old Testament was always to the place of worship, the place in which you learned from God, all right? That was what tithing was. It was to support the place of worship. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flock and herds. Now what you need to know during this time, people's wealth, the greatest form of wealth for them during that time was really in their grains, their wine, their olive oil, and their livestock, all right? That was their commodity. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. Turn with me to Malachi chapter three, verses eight through 10. Malachi chapter three, verses eight through 10. Many of you know this passage. Should people cheat God? 
Yet you have cheated me, but you ask, what do you mean? When do we ever cheat you? You have cheated me on the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheated me, has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Tithing in the Old Testament was always to go and to give to the place of your worship to support the, the synagogues or the temples in which you worshiped at, all right? And now I know for some of us, I've heard this many times, well, that's not in the New Testament. And you're right, it's not in the New Testament. But in the New Testament, you gotta realize that the apostles didn't need to talk about tithing, particularly in the early church, because they gave a lot more than just their tithe. They gave above and beyond, all right? Look at what it says in Acts 4, 32 to 35. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owed was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. The people of God in the early church, they gave everything. They sold their homes. They sold their land. They gave it. They gave far and beyond just a tithe. And so it wasn't even a struggle. And what you need to realize is that God always came, especially Jesus came, to raise the bar, not to lower it. And the sad thing is this. You know what the average tithe, the average giving is for an American Christian in this country? Do you know what it is? 1.5%. We can't even measure up to Old Testament times today. And what you need to realize is our giving, and the reason why we give to the church is because Ephesians says that Jesus is the head of the church. So when you give to the church, you're giving to God. The reason why this is important is because of this. We can't even come close to the Old Testament people. We have lowered the bar so much, and I think it's a direct correlation because we lack faith. Because we don't know, we don't really fully appreciate the very grace that you and I are standing on today that God gave us everything. He gave us his only begotten son. And because he has, through his grace, we should be giving based upon his overflowing grace upon our lives. So why do you give today? Now, I do think our people are one of the most generous people we have around. I, I believe our church is a very different picture than a typical statistic that we see, the 1.5%. But what is the motivation and why you give? I hope it's not just to get a tax write-off. I really hope it's just not that. Now, I think that might be an ancillary benefit, but don't let that be the reason why you give. Give because you are living with an overflowing amount of God's grace in your life. Amen. That's why you give. And when you give like that, you know, what the, you know what Paul teaches us? It becomes contagious. Everyone else starts to give because you're giving in that posture. Look at what it says in verse 2. Look at what it says in verse 2. For I know how eager you are to help, and I have been boasting uh, to the church, churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. What happens is that when you and I can give with this sense of joy and grace, uh, embracing the grace of God upon our lives, other people begin to give. It becomes contagious and infectious, and everyone just starts giving if we give within that posture. And that's a beautiful thing. And so 15 years ago, when we started our very first Christmas offering, a pastor taught me to do this in the church. And I was nervous to do it, honestly, because I thought, well, if we do a Christmas offering, no one's going to give to the general offering. 
It's just not going to happen because people are going to have a choice. And I think people would rather give to a Christmas offering because they know exactly where the money is going than just to the general offering. And so I was actually hesitant to do it initially, but I said, you know what, let's just give it a shot and see what happens. And I was blown away. Our first Christmas offering was, I think, $15,000. We were very small back then. Today, our Christmas offering is $227,000. That's our goal for the next 10 weeks is to raise $227,000. You can go to emetro.org slash Xmas to get all the information and where those funds are going. But back then, like, I was blown away because we, during the 10 weeks, we were able to collect close to $25,000. Now, I have terrible memory, but for some reason, I remember stuff like this, all right? I couldn't believe it. But the thing that blew me away, our general offering was the most we've ever had in a 10-week period of that year. And Paul's, it's really true that when we give with this sense of overflowing with God's grace, it becomes contagious and we all give. Our faith grows when we do that. And I hope that you would really see that we give because of the overflowing grace that God has poured out upon our lives. Second, giving is a faith foundation because it demonstrates God's glory. Giving is a faith foundation because it demonstrates the very glory of God. Verse 13, as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of God. Christ. Paul's point here is this, that when you and I give, we demonstrate the very glory of God. Now, glory of God is God's presence, okay? That's God's glory. And when we glorify God, what what is that? What are we doing? When we glorify God, we are praising and honoring him. And I know that when we think about praising and honoring him, we think about the, the singing, the praise and worship. The Una was talking about the dancing today a little bit, that we should dance before the Lord. We think about those things, and those are all good. But what I want you to know is this, that when you and I give, when we give, what we do is we demonstrate God's glory by praise and honor through our giving. That's beautiful. Don't you want to glorify God today? I hope that you find a lot of joy in bringing glory to God. I love meeting Christians when they find so much joy in glorifying God and not themselves. I think they're just some of the most incredible people to surround yourself around. That there is a glorification that's happening there. And what you need to realize is that when you and I give, when we're giving, we are glorifying, we are praising and honoring God. There is a demonstration of God's glory to be had and to be experienced. And people can encounter the very presence of God when we are willing to give in that posture. And that's a beautiful thing, and I hope that we can. And how do, and how do we know we're doing that? Paul says in verse 7, we got to be willing to give cheerfully. Not reluctantly, look at verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. you got to be willing to give cheerfully. That's the right posture to have, that you say, I'm going to give with a cheerful spirit. Because you know that when you do that, you are glorifying God. You know that when you're giving in that way, that God's presence is being known within the church and the people who attend the church and people who know the church even from the outside. I've seen that happen here so many times. So last, uh, last month on October 30th, we had open store. And many of you have volunteered. Mama Moore is the architect behind all of that. And we should thank her all the time for organizing that because that's a lot of work. It's a ton of work. And there were thousands of people there. Thousands. We had... Um, Open store has been going on for several years now. We've been doing it, and it used to start off pretty small. But now, like, when we have open store, folks, it's crazy. So many people come out. And the one that we had earlier in the year, uh, we had to have it inside because it was raining. I don't know if you remember that. 
you all came out, a lot of you served. I mean, our, thank God we rented this warehouse and there was a lot of space there. And so it literally felt like one of those, you know, outlet stores and, and, and people were coming and they were getting all their stuff. And it was a lot of stuff. And it was just beautiful to see our people giving of their stuff, but our people also serving, right? Um, that next day, we had a council meeting that I had to attend because we were talking about Liberty School. We're still talking to the city about that. And the president of the council said this. And I'm not sure why he said this because I never thought he liked us very much. I'm going to be honest. I just didn't think he liked us very much, very much. But he said this, these very words. He says, listen, we don't have the same faith, right? I'm, I'm Jewish. You're Christian. But I know that, God, I know that the work of Metro Community Church is God's sanctifying work. I almost fell off my chair. I was like, what? Did I just hear correctly? I mean, I had to call Cindy and I'm like, did he say that our work is God's sanctifying work? A month ago, we had, I don't know, four or 5,000 people that came. Man, you guys were amazing. The trunk of treats were outrageous. There was a Cobra Kai station. I was getting my karate kid on, man. The stuff you donated, somebody in this church donated a pair of Easy's. Now, if you don't know what that is, you don't have to know. But if you know what that is, you know those aren't cheap sneakers, man. My son saw that, he wanted to take it. I told him, no, 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 you cannot touch those sneakers. They're for the community. So like our people, you don't give like, like bad stuff. You want to give good stuff. You know why I know this is a big event? Thousands of people were there because every politician in Bergen County was there at that event. There's a lot of votes to be had. Election was coming up in November. They were all there. You name every single politician that's running in Bergen County, they were there, right? And it was just amazing as you're walking and you're meeting these guys and gals and you're just like, okay, hi, hi, hi. And the mayor, I saw the mayor and he was there and he just pulled me aside and he said, Peter, whatever you need in this, for Englewood, he said, we cannot lose you guys. He said, if we lose you, this community will be hurt. I mean, that made me feel great. But he was really serious. See, what was happening? As you and I continue to give faithfully to this church on Sundays, as we continue to even give above and beyond like our monetary, our, our resources to these things, what people are experiencing, you know what they are experiencing? The glory of God. The very presence of God. And that's why a person who doesn't even share our faith says that the work of Metro is God's sanctifying work. That's why a mayor who's not even a Christian would say that we cannot lose you because if, you lose you, it'll be a, if we lose Metro, it'll be a tremendous loss to our community because he sees what we're doing. What a gift. I mean, that bring joy to you because some of you serve so hard during that time. Some of you like do the most, you know, it's, it's, it's the most unappreciated stuff. It's like you're there during the whole like two, three weeks sorting out stuff. It's cold in that warehouse, and you're just sorting it out. You know, Sunday's kind of the nice thing because we get to all serve, but a lot of you go there weeks before, and you're in there for hours sorting and sorting the clothes and making sure that they're good quality so that we can give it to the community. There's so much joy in giving, and when we do that because of the basis of God's grace in our life, and we do it to demonstrate the glory of God, people take notice of it. It's an opportunity our faith grows. Our faith is encouraged. That's why giving is a faith foundation. And the very last thing of why giving is a faith foundation is because it allows God to give generously to us. When you are willing to give generously to God, 
in that way, God will give, you, give back generously to you. Look at what it says in verse 6. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. What I love about this passage is simply this. You know what Paul is saying? You can never outgive God. Give it a shot. God will at least one up you every time. <laughs> Always one up you every time. Try. I dare you to compete against God. Try to outgive God. You will lose every time. Because to the degree that you're willing to give, God will give you back even more. And I love what Paul is saying. saying, hey, just realize why God's giving you a lot more. He's giving it to you not to necessarily have you buy more things. He's giving it to you so that you can give it away and serve his kingdom, to advance his kingdom. Because the greatest reason why you and I are on this planet, so if you guys are like young people, sometimes you're wondering like, why am I here? I got to find my purpose. Here's your purpose. Biblically speaking, your purpose is to advance God's kingdom. That's all of our purpose. Now how that happens, it's different for everyone. But your purpose is to advance God's kingdom. And so when God blesses you, monetarily, it's not just so that you can be blessed by that, you can buy more stuff and increase your standard of living, it's really to increase your standard of giving. And so that's why God blesses you in that way. And so listen, I am not a prosperity gospel preacher, I'm actually vehemently, I stand against that stuff, when you hear preachers say, if you give, God will give you more money, right? If you give money, God will give you more money. I'm not here to say that, all right? Because I don't, I, I mean, I, I believe what Paul is saying here because I think God will give you more financially if he can trust in you, if he can trust you with the money. If he can't trust you with money, then you're going to go and just, you know, sometimes we can do bad things with money, right? And so if he can trust you, he'll give you more. But I also know this, a lot of you are very gifted in making money. You don't need God for that. You really don't need God to make money because some of you are really good at it. It's just your natural gift. So I don't think it's necessarily just money that God will be generous with. You know what it is? Because you all need this and only God can help you with this. God will bless you with relational capital. That is the blessing that he gives to you. And because every single one of you in this, in this room and anyone who's watching, what you and I really need, we don't need more money yet. I know some of you could really use some because you have bills and all that stuff. I get it, all right? But what we really need and we cannot live without is intimacy with somebody else who's living that we can see and touch. The reason why people get a divorce, the number one reason why divorce is, hap happens in this country is simply because of wealth, of money. That's the number one reason why people get a divorce. How many times have we cut people off in our relationship with best friends, with, uh, with relatives, and things like that because of money? Re relational capital is the greatest commodity, I think, in our world today. And when you can surrender your love for money by saying, I'm going to give, God would generously give back to you in the, in, in the sense of relational capital. I believe that's how he blesses us with, because the greatest obstacle to intimacy many times is money. Sometimes you cannot get close to people because you're afraid that they're asking for your money. And you're afraid that they're going to ask for your money. Because you maybe grew up in a home where people have done that and they've hurt your family so deeply because of it. You've got to be careful. At the end of the day, folks, being generous is a sacrifice. 
you have to be willing to make sacrifices. It can't be easy. I know Paul says give cheerfully, but it should be given cheerfully, but also be given sacrificially. Because remember, this was the weirdest. Jesus is weird sometimes, man. I'm telling you. He was in the temple, in the synagogue, and he was watching what people were putting in the basket. Remember that? He and his disciples. Like, how would you like, like if we did offering, and I walked out and I saw what you guys were putting in there. You guys would be like, I don't know if I'm going to come to that church anymore. Like, that's weird. Why is the pastor watching what we're giving? Jesus was doing that with his disciples. They were just watching what people were giving. And there were these wealthy people, and they were putting a lot of money in. And there was this widow, and she put in these two little coins. And what did Jesus say? She said, guess what? That woman gave a lot more than those wealthy people. Why? Because she didn't give out of her surplus. She gave everything she had to me. Giving is sacrifice. Your generosity has to be sacrificial because when you love someone, you're willing to give to them that is deeply rooted in sacrificial giving. When God gave to you Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, it was sacrificial in every way. And so when we give, we have to give with this understanding that it is sacrificial in every way. So I want to encourage you to think about that, that as you give, God will give back to you generously in a beautiful way. There's something going on here in this country. Like, I'm in a doctoral program. There was a, a Christian sociologist that was studying the Holy Spirit. He was studying the activity of the Holy Spirit around the world. And he concluded this. He said in his study, he said the Holy Spirit has left the Western Hemisphere. That's us. America and Europe. Based upon his study, he said, it has left the Western Hemisphere and it's gone south. It's gone to Latin America, the continent of Africa, parts of Asia. It's gone to the Southern Hemisphere. And he concluded one of the greatest reasons he believes that's the case is because of the inexorbitant wealth of the West and our unwillingness to not give it away and not share it with hurting people in this world because we hold on to our wealth so tightly. Will you let it go? Because if you wanna be a faithful person, really growing your faith with the Lord, my hope is that you would realize that you give out of the basis of God's grace to you. You give to demonstrate his glory. And listen, when your life could be used to demonstrate the glory of God, man, you have found your purpose. It's one of the best experiences, the best feeling you can encounter. I mean, sometimes you think about going on vacation so that you can have a good time and relax. I get it, all important. I need those too. But one of the best experiences you can have, more so than going to Cancun or something like that, is to experience life where you get to demonstrate the glory of God, Amen. where people encounter the presence of God through you. Amen. When you and I give in that way, we can do that. And when you give in that way, Paul says God will give generously back to you in every way. And I believe what happens is that he'll bless you in your relational capital. So like the pastors that I'm hanging out with these days, like the ones that I'm getting close to that are outside this church are people my age. And so they all have kids in college. And so it's really cool just kind of talking to different pastors about our kids in college. And this week, earlier this week, I met up with one pastor locally here and he's got three kids in college, man. We're pastors. He looked at me and he said, whoa, Peter, I had $90,000 of tuition to pay this year. This is after scholarships because their kids, you know, got scholarships and stuff like that. And I looked at him and I said, oh my God, that's a lot of money. And you know, like my wife and I, we think about that. Too. I got two in college, right? So I said, I said, like, were you able to pay it off or did they have to take loans? He goes, no, we were able to pay it off. And I was like, how? And he said, 
God provided. Well, I said, well, can you let me know how he provided? Because I like to get some of that information. Like, I want to know how he provided for you because maybe that'll work for me a little bit. I was like, how did he provide for you? Like, I know God provides, but be a little bit more detailed for me, please, right? And he just said, Peter, I just want you to know God provided. Like he provides, as I'm faithful to giving, he always provides. And it's true, but I wasn't satisfied with that answer because I wanted to know, how were you able to pay $90,000 in college tuition on a pastor's salary? Doesn't make any sense, his wife doesn't even work. I was like, my goodness, how are you able to do that? So, and then yesterday I went to a men's conference and I was speaking at this church in, in, in uh, Brooklyn. And I was hanging out with the, the senior pastor there, and we were just talking. And again, he's my age, has a daughter, just started NYU freshman year. And I'm like, NYU, wow, that's, that's a, like one of the most expensive colleges in the country. And he goes, yeah, it is, $75,000 a year. And I'm like, what? I was like, is that room and board and everything? He goes, yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, yo, Heston, how, how are you able to pay that? Are you okay? He said, my daughter got a full ride. I said, really? I was like, what kind of scholarship did she get? And he said, it was God's scholarship. And I said, all right, I know it's God's scholarship, but can you let me know what kind of scholarship it is? Because I may want my kids to apply for that kind of scholarship, right? And again, he said this, Peter, I just want you to know when I started this church, I promised God that I would never lessen my giving, that I would always continue to give. But I said this, I said, and, and I don't know if I agree with him, he kind of said, God, you gotta do this for me if I do this. He said, if I do this, you gotta pay for my daughter's college. And did this when his kid was a baby. And he said, so it's God's scholarship. And I was like, man, I'd like to sign up for that one too. Like, how did you get that? And again, didn't give me any more detail. And I'm realizing what they're saying. You see, sometimes, and you know, my wife and I, we, we, applied, we did a 529 since there were babies, right? And that's a college plan that you put away every month. And it's great to prepare. But at the end of the day, I think what they were both saying to me is this. You're never going to outgive God. And when you can give with this posture that you're giving because of this overflowing grace that God has given to you, when you can give knowing that it's going to demonstrate the very glory of God, and when you give in a place where you know that God is going to bless you as you give with relational capital and with all these other things generously, God will always find a way to give back to you. And I love this because, like, that's, that's what we're going through. Like, it's just crazy, like, what's happening to us because we're getting checks in the mail. Like, I'll just show you how my God scholarship worked out this semester for my kids. Like, my daughter, we, we covered her first, first semester because we put away since she was a kid. We had that covered. But Christina, we didn't, right? And luckily, she's living off campus. We just had to pay for tuition. You know what God scholarship was for us, my wife and I? We got a check from GM for $7,500. I didn't apply for anything. They just gave me a check. You know why? Because I leased their EV and they slashed the prices like a month after I leased it, like $7,500 off of MSRP. And GM was so sweet and kind. They said, you know what? Because we did this and we don't have to do this, but we hope we'll maintain your loyalty, we're going to give you a check for $7,500. I said, thank you, Jesus. God's scholarship. <laughs> God's scholarship. And that's what it is. You see, I know we would always would like to be prepared and have assurance. But I always remember this. God will give you enough for the day so that you can depend upon him for tomorrow. And if you cannot depend upon God for tomorrow, even in your area of your finances, that's sad. Because then you, I think you prohibit yourself from growing 
in your faith in God. Always give. Give generously out of the overflow of God's grace upon your life. Give so that you can demonstrate God's presence and his glory to other people so they can come in contact with it. And give knowing that God is going to give you back so much more. He will always one-up you and one-up me. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Lord, I don't know what everyone's history has been about hearing about this topic in the church. But I pray, God, that um, if, it's, if it's bad or if it was a negative experience, and I know some people have had some real personal hurts through this because they felt like the church maybe was embezzling some funds or whatever it might be. God, I pray you bring healing to the hearts of the people. And knowing, God, that in the end you will judge the leaders of churches and how they manage the church and how they led the church. So you will bring justice in the end. But God, I pray that we would never, ever stop giving. I pray that we would always get to a place where we are overwhelmed by your grace upon our lives. To think that we could be in a relationship with you and there's nothing we can do to make you love us more or less because of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ created this position that we can go before you. God, we are so wealthy because we have you. We have everything we need as long as we have you. Amen. So God, help us because, Lord, I know you talked about money more than anything else in the New Testament because you know how much this thing could kill us. You know how if we, if we, if we accumulate mass debt, it'll, it'll literally be a ball and chain. And so God, free us from the love of money so that we can use money to glorify you and demonstrate your glory. How amazing is that? We live in a culture today where people use money to glorify themselves to flaunt themselves. But God, would you show us that you've given us our wealth so that we can advance your kingdom and expand it because that's a task that you've called each and every one of us. And so Lord, would you continue to guide us as a church? Help us to know that there's such a deep correlation between our giving to you and our faith in you. And for those who might be really struggling today, God, I pray that you'll be with them, guide them, and grant them whatever it is that you desire to pour out to them in their lives. So God, that they would not be living in a place, God, where they're always in debt and where they're always struggling financially, whatever it might be. Do whatever it is that needs to be done in their lives. Thank you for this word today, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.